white and blue. We like to win in style, we've done it for a while. It's better to aim very high, then our football story will echo with glory. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 7, Episode 5. I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin, a.k.a. Mr. Latchford. First episode of the season then for Father and Son Pod. Um, and it's number four, number five? Uh, four or five, yeah. I'm, I'm losing count now. Excellent. So I'm enjoying it. podcast veteran now. Let's hope so. Let's hope um, so. so the opening question today is, who are the most underrated players who have you've seen play for Spurs during your time as a supporter. Um, so obviously you're going to have a little bit more time on me uh, for this one because you've seen quite a few more players. Um, but I'll go first on this one. So the most underrated player that I think I've seen play for Spurs is Paul Robinson. So he was our goalkeeper about I'll be about seven or eight years under Martin Yole, under Ramos. He was under Ramos, wasn't he? he was as well? in the, uh, he was in the Carlin Cup final. He was in the Carlin Cup final. So under Ramos as well. Um, but he was, like I said, he was a pretty rock-solid goalkeeper for us. England's number one at the time. And what I loved about Robbo was he was just a very consistent goalkeeper. Like He, he wouldn't do the extraordinary. He wouldn't pull off an absolute amazing save that you think, wow, I've never seen a save like that. But there was very, very few mistakes when Robbo was in goal. And he was quite a calm keeper and never really worried. Like If you think about other goalies that we have had, Gomez and those kind of people... They give you a bit of panic when you watch them play, but he, he was a very calm keeper, Robbo. So I think he's probably one of the most underrated I've seen. Yeah, yeah, no, he was good. I think his uh, only weakness was um, long shots. I think he was a bit, he, he let in a few long ones, what I thought mm, maybe he should have got to. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously he, he was one of two top goalkeepers to score a goal as well. Um, and that was a game we were fortunate enough to be at. Yeah, so that was that was a game against Watford. Um, for anybody, I'm sure everybody has seen it, but if anybody's not seen it, you can search it on YouTube. But basically, there's a free kick in our half next to our goal, pretty much in our left-back position. Yeah. And Robbo just comes up and absolutely levers it, and it just takes a bounce and deceives the back four and the keeper. The keeper's actually Ben Foster as well, um, and just sails into the net. It was one of the most extraordinary goals I've seen. And that's the only, is that the only time you've seen a goalie score? And you've yeah, been, um, yeah, that's you've been seen, going since... Well, getting on for 50 years nearly now watching Tottenham. So that, that is almost a once-in-a-lifetime thing as a football fan to yeah, see a keeper. If you think previous before that, we were back to 1967. Yeah, it's a long Pat time. Jennings scored. That's a long time. Um, who are <clears> some <throat> underrated players that you've seen over the years? Um, I've got a couple. Um, Cyril Knowles was one. He was a left-back for Tottenham in the 70s. Very, very... Good left back, um, very good at taking free kicks as well. Very understated player. Um, really liked him as a player. Often include him in my all-time favourite Spurs teams as a left back. He's just a player that I I really liked. Um, and I've got a goalkeeper as well. I've got Eric Tolstoy, who was the Norwegian goalkeeper that we had, and he was uh, in our cup final winning team in 1991. There you go. And he again, um, I think with players like this, when you talk about understated players. Um, I'm going to say that my current one would be Eric Dyer because I always think the players like this are when you're when when they're playing you don't know they're there and when they're not playing you think what's wrong with our midfield or defense or forwards and then you realize it's because a certain player is missing Isn't there? yeah and, you know I think he's very steady good at what he does I think there are certain positions as well that you're sort of an underrated player if you play in those positions. Like if you're a defensive midfielder, yeah. you don't score, you don't assist, you do a lot of the dog work 
and a lot of mopping up and interceptions. The same as fullbacks as well. You'd not, you shouldn't really be that noticed in those positions. So I think therefore you're going to be a bit underrated. I think if you're a goalkeeper, you make the saves, or you you're you know you're you're known for the ones you let in. Unfortunately, and if you're a forward or you know an attacking midfielder, you score the goals, so you get the headlines, and you, the other players kind of tend to just sit under the radar. Don't yeah. Them. I put this out on on social media as well, so on Facebook and Twitter and on Reddit. Um, so I've had some some great contributions as always. So. First up, Carl Woodbridge, friend of the show. Um, so he's underrated player. So he said that he always thought Goodney Bergson was a better player than given <laughs> credit for. He's, he's, he's a good player, Bergson. Um, just for those who don't know, he's, um, he played at fullback, um, played for Iceland. I know England supporters don't like me to no, mention that word. Iceland. Um, back in the day, he was quick as well. Very quick player. And I think we got him in on a free transfer, I think, if I remember right. There you go. Perfect. Um, Dan Hearn, Holiday Dan, uh, has written in, said his most underrated player was Tom Huddleston. So he said with the ball at his feet, he could pick out anyone and he's still the cleanest striker of ball that he's ever seen. We're quite big Tom Huddleston fans, weren't we? He was one of them players that... I actually had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times as well because we live near where the old training ground used to be. He was an excellent player, but I think he was just one we we just sort of outgrew him. I think I think he um his pace he got exposed of his pace. I think Woolwich exposed his pace on a few occasions and, and teams just used to get the ball and run past him. Yeah. I think for someone he's the best pass of the ball I'd seen at the club since Glenn Hoddle for, for long passes. Absolutely outstanding at that. He's playing in the championship now. He's back at Derby, back at Derby where it all, yeah. all started for him really and he's a first teamer there. So it'd be nice to see him sort of get promoted with Derby and back in the Premier League. I think he's good enough to play in the Premier League, isn't he? I think, I, I think the interesting thing was is that Hoddle actually coached him at Wolves for a year. So I mm. think that's, um, you know, that's why he might have some of his attributes. Yeah. Um, Javad, uh, another great friend of the show. So he's host of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast for anyone that doesn't listen. Uh, and he said the most underrated player amongst many uh, at the moment is Ben Davis, who we'll come on to in a minute, actually, because mm. I've got a few questions about Ben Davis. Um, Mark Walsh, again, another another friend of the show, said he thought Steve Malbronk uh, was an underrated player. So that's a signing uh, who chipped in with a few goals and was probably the only player we had that was capable of playing on the left wing for us at that time. Uh, decent player, Steve Malbronk. I think he scored against Woolwich, didn't he, in one of the games? And so, I remember him you know. scoring in the bonkers game against Reading. Remember the 7-4? Oh, yeah. He yeah. got a lovely goal. Yeah. It was a Steve Malbronk goal. He got it, come yeah. inside on his right foot and bent it in the corner. Um, yeah, he was a pretty decent player for us. Um, John Dawkes, JD, so he wrote in and said that he thinks that Kevin Prince-Botang was underrated um, as he shone at AC Milan. And also, and this is a name that I haven't heard for ages, Adel Tarab was somebody that he thinks could have been a fantastic player on the potch. Bit of an enigma, I think he was. He was yeah. he's a very, very similar in the mound to Townsend. And I don't think he would have gotten very well with Potch purely because of, of the tracking back scenario. Um, he didn't used to work hard. On his day, great player. But how many good days did he have? Not very many. Yeah. Um, so there's also, from the last time we did a podcast today, there was the closing of the transfer window, which yep. there's been a lot of talk around it. I know that also we've now voted, the English clubs have voted to cut that off before the season starts, which personally I think is quite a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it, you don't get a few games into the season and you're not sure what your squad is, all of that, and it should encourage people to get deals done early, which is good. Um, but I also want to know what are your best and worst deadline day signings. So there have been quite a few... I'll let you go first. I'll go I know, first. I know you're going to pick, that's all. Mine's Van der Vaart. Um, he's one of my favourite players that I've seen play for Spurs. Just a real luxury player. Both feet, 
score of great goals, score of big goals. Loved Spurs, the fans loved him, he had a great chant, like everything about him was, was quality. And we got him for eight million, which was an absolute steal because he was meant to be going to Bayern Munich the week before for yeah. about 20, 25 yeah. million. And it, for some reason, it all fell through and they didn't want him. And Madrid wanted him off their wages, yeah, basically. Basically, they? and we brought him in. And as soon as he, like from minute one, we yeah. didn't take him any time to adapt. He was, he was just, he oozed class. He, he was a brilliant player. And at the time, he was the, he was the player we needed. He was the player that would take us on to the next level in the Champions League and all that. He, he, that's, he, he was absolutely fantastic for us. And for me, there's always been something about players that haven't got pace. They're just they're amazing to watch because they know they, they they're not relying on that football brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just he was really exactly good. it, and he was he's just such a wonderful player to watch and absolutely everything he did apart from work rate, and he couldn't play more than seventy minutes. But other than that, fantastic. Player. And, and I think you only picked this question this week so you could mention Van der Vaart because you mentioned him every other week. Yeah, so. or like so anybody that listens to the pod knows I'm a massive Van der Vaart fan. Yeah. So he'd be my best my best one. My weirdest one is Ryan Nelson because. I don't think anybody saw that coming. We, it was the January window and we'd, we'd ship Basong out on loan to Wolves because he wanted more game time. And then we were short of a centre-half, which was... Bizarre. Very strange. And then we brought Ryan Nilsson on a free from Blackburn. I think he was like 33, 34. Yeah. And he actually played as well. That was what was even weirder. He got game time and it was a real strange signing. So that would probably be my weirdest one. Um, I, I think it was just that Harry had to... Harry was in charge then, wasn't he? And he, he always had to bring someone in didn't he you know and I think it was just for the sake of it it was either that or it was a red a classic red nap of oh you're not giving me the money that I want yeah. so I'm going to prove to the fans and that that I can't get anyone in that's yeah. any good bit of a strange one um, and then my worst deadline day was Berbatov when Berbatov left and went to United because I remember watching Sky Sports News and they were Rendous. at Old Trafford and you could see Ferguson in the background and there was all this speculation of why was he there who was he bringing in and then you just saw Berbatov and then you knew that's our star striker. He's he's gone. I think I think Levy played that quite well because he 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 put the two Manchester clubs against each other because City come in and offered I think about three four million more than United had, and then United had to match the same bid. Ber- Berbatov always wanted to go to um, United anyway. He didn't really want to play for City. Yeah, um, yeah. It's always a bit when you see your best players leave, and it's always tough. Even 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 with the money, it's tough. Yeah, you know? and you've got some best and worst deadline day signings. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna try and pretend that I'm a stato because um, I've been off today, so I've had a quick look through and um, picked out a few um, deadline day signings. Um, we got um, Pavlichenko and Koluka coming two thousand eight. That was the same time when Berbatov left. Quite a busy busy day. Cranchar, Scott Parker was another one. Um, do, you want a good, do you want a good story about Scott Parker when he left story. West Ham? So my friend Rebecca works at West Ham yeah. and she was the person that opened Scott Parker's transfer request. Oh, that's a because good Because she like was that. PA to Karen Brady and Karen Brady dealt with all of yeah. the transfers at the time and she opened Scott Parker's transfer that's, request. That's a good one. A, a, a good deadline day was 2012. We brought in Clint Dempsey who did well for us, and Hugo Lloris come in on that Hugo. day as well. I completely forget that Hugo's a deadline day signing. So that was a good one. And then we had um, Stambouli was one in 2014. Oh. Didn't really quite work out. But again, Levy, I think, got him in for four and sold him on for eight. Something ridiculous like that. And then we had the famous one last year as well, uh, about 10 to 12. 
Mr. Sissoko, Sissoko when he turned when he when he actually turned Everton down and decided to come on thirty million play pounds thirty million for him, which well, is... I think we're going to talk about him later. Yeah, we'll come we? on to him in a minute. And again, I put this question out on social media and asked what your best and worst uh, deadline days. Cole again, so he his best deadline day was Van der Vaart. Yeah, so you agreed yeah. me on that one. And he said his worst were Andy Booth and Gregor Rasiak. Oh God, yeah, Rasiak that's very shocking. good. He was. He was I, I don't know if he actually actually scored a goal for the club, did he? Might I remember him scoring a disallowed goal on his debut. That's Pol- all Polish striker, really. And as you hear in the theme tune to Echoes of Glory, yes. Rasiak don't come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan Holiday Dan, so he wrote in, he was on the same page as me with Nelson. He said Saha and Nelson offered nothing for us when we should have looked to splash the cash on some. That, that was a January, wasn't it? That was know? a January. Um, and again, Javad agrees with that. So he said the best was Rafa, and the worst looked no further than Saha and Nelson. There's also one that got away, thankfully, and um, that was when um, we were rumoured to try. I think it was 2011. Try to get Charlie Adam in, oh. and there was rumours that. He'd driven down in his car and was sitting outside the ground waiting for a Doing bit to come and through. And, and it never happened. Um, and all I can say is, you know, thank Christ for that, really. This is a man that can barely get in the team at Stoke now yeah, as well. Yeah, that yeah. would have been such a red nap sign in Charlie it, Adam. It, it, it's all right if you want to go out and break a few licks, I suppose. That's the only reason for, for having someone like that. Shocking. There are two, two contenders as well for a great deadline day, the ones we brought in. Lorente and Aurier, who we'll talk about now. Um... The first question, I guess, is: Were you happy with them two signings? I think I think the deadline day. I think that that, that was great. I think the whole um, window was very good. Um, you have to look at who was out there. A lot of inflated prices. A lot of players for going for millions more than they, they're worth. Even with an inflated market, it was absolutely ridiculous. Every club talks about they need to get a good striker in. Where are these good strikers? They usually, if they're really that good, they'll go and play for Madrid or mm. Barcelona. So I thought we did well. We needed a backup striker. I think letting Janssen go off on loan, hopefully to rediscover his goal-scoring form, is a good move. I think it's good. And he's, been, um, he's left him out of the Champions League squad, so he, he yeah. clearly didn't have an intention of giving him minutes. No, and I think, um, I think Lorente's going to be a good sub when you're, say, playing at home against, I don't know, West Brom or someone like that. And it's getting late in the game, and you just can't get that break from. You, you can say, "Do you know a what?" Six foot five centre forward, you can chuck on. I don't want to see. What I don't want to see is long balls being pumped forward. What I want to see in that situation, getting the ball wide and getting the crosses in. And we saw, which we'll come on to soon at the weekend, how good the balls in the box were. Yeah, I mean, we had a good window. Lorente, Aurier. We brought Davinson Sanchez, a club yeah. record. Yep. Signing now again, he he played pretty well against Everton. We brought in Foyth as well, who's the young centre back yep. who you wouldn't expect him to really play much this season, just because he's more one for the future. And we brought in Gazaniga as well as the third choice keeper, which again I wouldn't expect him to play much this season. He'll get on the bench for the um, you know Carling Cup, whatever the cup's called now on a, yeah. on a Wednesday night. But the real questions for Lorente and Aurier is: Would either do either start for you? Because Lorente, we'd have to change the formation really to get him in. And Serge, does he play over trips? I, I think that's an interesting one because it was, um, you know, with Morata signing for Chelsea, he kind of said that he, he wouldn't come play for Tottenham because it'd be second choice. Yeah. Um, and that sums it all up. And, and, you know, we did muddle through last year about Kane probably for about 10 games, I think. That's it was. when Sun stepped up. Sun, he? he was a couple of injuries he had last year. And I know Janssen was only really scoring penalties, but, you know, we all, 
And I think that's when Ericsson and Ali come into their game because they can score goals. So, yeah, no, I thought it was a good window. I do as well. And I think Aurier, he's coming off the back of, I mean, he's played at PSG, he's won titles, like, and Lorente as well. Lorente's won the World Cup, mm. the World Cup or the Euros, one of the two. He's, so he knows, Euros, I think he, it was, yeah. he knows what it's like to win major trophies. Yeah. And that's important because I know you look round and we look at our senior players, which is Hugo. And the lots of Toby, Toby's won the league, but there's not that many players in there that have get, won heaps. Once you get that, you've got to get that winning mentality. You have. You've just got to you get, have. get across the line in one of the competitions, and that brings it. And then any new player that comes in, it's right down the club. This is what we do. This is how we win things. Yeah. And then just an, just give me a number out of ten. How would you rate the transfer window? Eight. Eight. I'd eight. Prob- out, eight I'd out of ten. Give it an eight as well. I think it was that good. I think when you see what business other clubs did. If you compare other clubs, you know, you know, similar in similar position to us, when you take out the Manchester clubs that just throw money at everything, um, but even even with that, I, I I think that if you look at other teams, you look at Liverpool. I think their back four is still an absolute joke, and I think United still have got gaps in their what, team. What's pleased me with the window is we've looked at it and we've gone. What is our weakest position yeah. that we need to strengthen? And the weakest position was our second choice striker. Yeah. And we've gone out and we've bought a proven forward yeah. that scored goals in Italy, in Spain, and for Swansea in yeah. the Prem. He's done it in every league. There's no, we're not got to worry about. Oh, we need six games to adapt. Do you know what I mean? He's been playing yeah. in the Prem for the last year. He he knows what it's all about. He's come straight in, and that that's what's great. And that's where I look at Liverpool. And as brilliant as they are to watch as a neutral going forward, yeah. their area was the defence and they haven't strengthened it. They've improved their strongest area, which is still great, but they haven't identified this is where our issue is. It's keeping clean sheets, it's being solid, and they haven't brought anyone in. You, 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 you don't win leagues unless you can keep clean sheets. Um, and, you know, if you look last year, Chelsea had the most clean sheets. And I think we were second. Because so, regardless, you know, it sums it up. regardless sums of how good you are going forward, there will always be games where you can't get through. Barcelona yeah. have it. Real Madrid yeah. have it. They're games you can't get through. And you've got to then be able to be like, you know what, we're going to draw nil-nil today if we can't get through. There's also games, though, in the course of the season where you might nick a goal in the first half and you've just got to get players behind the ball. I, you could arguably say that Chelsea did that against us at Wembley this year. That's you know, just, we, we the were the better team, and that's you know that's uh, unfortunately in that case that's how you win leagues. Well, Le- the last two winners, Leicester and Chelsea, have played counter-attacking football. Yeah, yeah. I listened to Mourinho talking about it earlier and saying that if you look back the last few seasons, the best teams style-wise haven't won it, but it's been about getting men behind the ball and playing effective football. Yeah. And, Fair enough. Like if if we weren't that great to watch, we won the league. I wouldn't be moaning about it at the end of the season. I, I don't think I would be known myself. No. No. Um, so the weekend we played Everton. Yeah. Uh, at Goodison Park, where we haven't actually won for quite a while. Whilst we haven't lost there either, we haven't won at Goodison. A lot for, of draws. Yeah, it's been a lot of draws. It's not an easy place to go, Goodison. But we were all quite positive going into the game. I know they've spent a lot of money. But there isn't really anyone in that Everton team that you'd think, oh, they'd get in our first team. In my opinion. I don't uh, think anybody. No, I'm trying to think now. No, I don't no, think I anyone. To, say that. Um, to go up there, though, and, and win, and win in the style that we won in, was a fantastic result. I mean, you go up to Everton and win 3-0 and be comfortable for 90 minutes. Normally at Goodison Park, you come under pressure early on and they're right at it, and you think, we'll get through the first 20 minutes and then we look to play. But we were absolutely fantastic. I, I, I thought it was an outstanding result. And... Um, 
I think we carried on from how we played away at the end of last season. Um, I know that I'm going to put the, the Leicester and the whole results into it, but you know, I think it's four away wins, 18 goals scored. Unbelievable. Which is a top-flight record. Oh, right, OK. Um, I think a good barometer of it was um, Everton manager Koeman's interview after the game. And he was very downbeat, and you could tell he, he wasn't happy, and he knew he'd been played off the pitch. And when my only slight criticism was at the end of last season when we had the two big away wins, it could have been like that again on Saturday. You yeah. see, Kane had a really good chance. I'm not going to criticise Kane, but he had Ali a good had chance. Ali in the first half. Ali and then the Sissoko header, which, you know, even with my heading ability, I might have managed to at least get on target. Yeah, and but yeah. I mean, you look at it and you've gone away from home, kept a clean sheet, scored three goals, created probably ten yeah. Chances. I think it was eight shots on target. Yeah, like real, real good yeah. chances. But I want to talk about the, the selection because we went with a back three. Yeah. Davinson Sanchez made his first start for us. And I mean, this is a compliment. You would not have known it was his debut and it was his first game. No. You wouldn't, you'd have think he's been playing in the Premier League for 10 years. Well, we're back to what we were talking about earlier, wasn't we, really? Yeah. And he was just rock solid. Nothing. You could see the enthusiasm, the energy early on. Um, ben Davis, two assists from left back. It was fantastic. But the one for me, the real interesting one was he played most Sissoko centre midfield. And he hasn't played much at all for us, Sissoko. And when he has played, he's played more on the right. To see him in a central position was strange. When I looked at the team sheet, I thought, he can't be playing there. I thought maybe Sanchez in midfield and we're doing a yeah, back four. I yeah. wasn't quite sure, but he played centre midfield and he had a really good game. And it, it wasn't the Sissoko. I know it's only 90 minutes, so I'm not going to get carried away, but... That wasn't the Sissoko from last year. He was excellent. And from what I heard, I wasn't at the Burnley game. But when he came on against Burnley, he was was good as well for the 20 minutes he came on for. Um, He's obviously doing something in training that Pochettino's impressed with. Because this is a man that... Six weeks ago, everybody thought you'll never see him play for Spurs again. And and then he's starting a Premier League match. I I think we all thought he was out the door in August. As you quite rightly say, if you don't work hard in training, you don't get in the team. You don't get anywhere near the team. And we've seen players who have gone away with a bit of an attitude and got nowhere near the team. Um, He's got, if he wants to get in the French World Cup squad for next year, he's got to play like he is now. And and I think France have got a very good chance of winning it. So he don't want to miss miss out on that. I just hope that the little ankle injury picked up at the weekend's only a little knock and it's nothing too serious. The games are coming thick and fast now as well, aren't they? So he's going to get even more minutes. Um, Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm not going to get carried away, but if he does start to play him in that central position, he looks all right. It's another option. Like, that's a player... Yep. But when I was looking at the squad, I'd sort of discarded. Yeah. It was like, actually, like if he does get going, he could be a really useful player for us. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to get carried away because it's one game. If he does this and he's playing at this level for the next two months, then fine, I'll start singing his praises. Yeah. But it's just good that he, there was a performance there because that's not something I've seen. Um, but obviously, Kane got both goals. Ericsson was Ericsson and just ran the show. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about Ben Davis because... He gets a lot of criticism, unwanted criticism, that, and everybody says he's an excellent defender, but he's not offering that much going forward. He's created more chances than anyone at Spurs so far this season. He's created 14 chances in four games, which is an excellent return. He got two assists at the weekend. He's another one that the coaching, you'd think how much he's come on as a player since we signed him. I know obviously he's grown as a man and all of that, but he's become such an excellent left-back 
for us, even going forward now. When he first came into the team last year, he was a little bit, you could tell he weren't sure. But now, he gets the ball and he drives. He tries to take his full back on. He's been superb. Yeah, I think last summer helped playing for Wales. Um, that that's always a good thing when you're doing things like that, you know, and you're learning different positions and what you know, different style of play. I think we've we've kind of adapted our game a little bit for Trippier and Davis because we've they've not got, got the pace of Walker and Rose. And I think if you look at us now, we do tend to put the ball in the box a bit early and feed Kane. So we're looking at crossing on the edge of the 18-yard box. So it's coming in on the six-yard box, you know, and that is the difference, I think, you know, so that you've got your forwards are running onto it rather than you're trying to head the ball in. Yeah, Jordan Santos on Twitter asked whether or not, when Rose comes back, do you put Danny Rose straight back in the team or... Does he have to fight for his place on the training well, pitch? Well he, well, he has to fight for his place. And I don't think Potch is someone that's going to all of a sudden put someone in, you know, just because of who they are. You can you can see that players in the past have been bounced out, moved moved to the side, and that that's the way he is, you know. You, you've probably got two or three that really are always going to be there every game. But I think, you know, Ericsson lost a bit of form beginning of last year. I think he was out of the team for a couple of games. So, you know, there's there's no favourite. Yeah. And there's lots of scope. You saying about Suzoko and you know, you can move Ericsson around and it's 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 quite encouraging and I think the squad's looking all right. Considering we've got a couple of players, you know, when Yarm is injured at the moment and we adapted well, you know, arguably our best player last season, we adapted very well yeah. without him. Uh, with trips as well, because he's had a little bit of criticism the first few games as well. I don't think he's necessarily been on the best form, especially versus last season. Is it coincidence that we sign Aurier and he knows God, I've got a world-class right-back sat on the bench here. If I have a poor game, I'm out of the team. Then he produces a performance like he did at Everton where he was absolutely outstanding. Is that coincidence or is that proof that having players fighting for positions is healthy? Bit of both. Bit of both. But but then you, if you look at Harry Winks, I know we've, we've both got very high regard for him. We think he could you know, really be a good player. He's probably arguably going to have to rely on one or two injuries to get in the team. Mm. Um Whereas some other players, you know, as you say, yeah, but even the likes of Wink say he's, he's putting pressure on, you know, Ali and Ericsson and players like that to perform. You know, Dembele wasn't in the starting lineup yeah. on the weekend. Could be he's got a little knock or something, we don't know. But We have got the Dortmund game coming up as well. We have, we have, we have, yeah. Um, I just want to go back to what some people wrote in with us about the Everton games. So Mark Walsh said, utter dominance against Everton. Couldn't have played any better, but should have been way out of sight at half-time, which I tend to agree with. Uh, and he'd expect us to win against Swansea for a man we're better in every part of the pitch. Which yeah, 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 agree yeah, with, yeah, to be yeah, honest. Absolutely. Uh, Holiday Dan, he said he was expecting more from Everton, especially at home. Absolutely. Um, I think our back three looks seriously solid with Sanchez. Uh, shouldn't have any issues against Swansea. Uh, so again, singing the praise of Ron and Cole. He said good performance, could have been six. Well, it could have been, yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know that Cole texted me at half-time because we were out and about a bit on Saturday and said we should be... 4 0 up, you know, and you always worry when you go into a game, you're, only, you're 2 0 up at half time, you've dominated the game, you could come out and within a minute it's 2 1. But it was and, 3 0, wasn't it? And you're back to the walls, yeah, yeah. And, you, and at Goodison, as you, I think you said earlier, you know, the, the crowd get behind the team, yeah. they're doing all right. It's a, it's a, it's a noisy place. Yeah, I, I just want to talk about Harry Kane as well because the goals that he scored meant that he reached 100 goals yeah. for Tottenham, which already is a fantastic achievement. Um, and exactly 50 of them were at home and 50 of them have been away with one at a neutral venue. That's very good. I and like that, that neutral venue is 
Wembley when we played Chelsea in the semi-final yeah. off. It's just a completely even split. And then off those goals, 66 with his right, 21 with his left, 14 with his head. That's very good. He's it's a very good header of the ball. Yes. Favourite Harry Kane goal so far? Oh, it's got to be the one against Arsenal, the curler. What one? The curler? The curler, Because yeah. there's the header as well, isn't there? They were both good goals, but the curler, because where we were sitting and we looked up and, and in it came. I think he's shooting... Um, is really there's a lot of um, they've obviously been practicing it a lot of quick shooting without any there's much no of back a back lift, lift. Yeah. yeah and I'd be hugely impressed with that at the end of the last season you know the goals he scored against um, Leicester and Hull there was a lot of goals like that where keepers just don't got a chance you, you know you, you hit the ball in the corner they, it doesn't matter where it's coming from the keeper's not going to save it is there anyone better than Harry Kane for us is there anyone in world football excluding Messi and Ronaldo is there anybody you'd swap him for? So you've got the likes of Benzema, Higuain, Aguero, Suarez. Pro- pro- probably not. I, I, I'm a big, big Aguero fan. I love him. I love watching him play. I've been lucky to see him play a few times now. He's a wonderful player. But I swap him? No, I don't think so. I feel, I feel yeah. like the only one that I probably would would be Suarez. Just because of the... Yeah. The style, the tenacity, the aggressiveness, like I'm yeah. going to go and hunt the ball down. Purely on footballing. And he's one of yeah. the best players I've ever seen. Yeah. So, but uh, it just says what a long way he's come, doesn't yeah. it? When you yeah, think of course about it that. does. Um, we've got two games this week. So we're playing Dortmund Wednesday night, uh, first Champions League game, and we've got Swansea at the weekend. So let's start with Dortmund. For me, this is a massive, massive game. Yeah, it is. You it's would huge. expect Real Madrid to top the group. Yeah. You would. I would expect that. So... I'm looking at it and thinking this is it's going to be a scrap between us and Dortmund to get through. So getting a win early and getting three points after the first game and beating them would be massive for us. I, I, I don't. We can't afford to lose. You know. I so think, if I offered you a draw, would you take a draw? No, I wouldn't because uh, I think if you look at the way the fixtures have fallen, we play Dortmund and then we've got the Cypriot team who we should beat. But let's say it's a draw and we... We've got Madrid back-to-back. We've got Madrid we? back-to-back when Dortmund are playing, you know, Apple. And you expect Dortmund to win both of them games. Or at least they're gonna, get four. They're going to get six points out of them. And we, we could still be playing catch-up against them. Mm. And, and the away game would be massive. It's, it's important to... I think Madrid may draw a game. So, you know, you've just got to hope that you're the team... That's going to draw yeah, against them, points, yeah. and you know, all teams are beatable. Madrid haven't started that well this season. Um, you know, anyone could beat anyone on their day as well. You don't know on the day. I mean, I think Ali's back for the Madrid home game. Obviously, yeah, he's, he's out the first he's three. Out, out the first three. I think it's an absolute massive game. Um, hopefully, you know, everyone will get behind them. Unfortunately, I'm not at the game because I'm going on holiday. Mm. But that's that's and the Dortmund, way it is. Dortmund have got quite a few injuries, so they've lost Dembele to okay, Barca. Yeah. And they've got quite a few injuries at the minute. They drew nil-nil at the weekend against right. a 10-man opposition. So they've not had the best start themselves. So going into it, it's, it's a pretty... It's a, it, for me, it's a winnable game. It's not going to be an easy game. They're a top side. And we played them two seasons ago in the Europa League. We and they bit, absolutely buried us. We didn't play very well away. We lost 3-0 away, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, and, and then the home game was just really a formality. It was a bit rubber, wasn't it? And it? Yeah, but we, we can beat them. We, we can definitely beat them. Uh, on our day, we can beat anyone. What's your prediction for that game? Are you confident? I'm going to go 2-0 Spurs. Interesting. Uh, again, I've, I asked people what they thought would happen in the Dortmund game. So Cole said, uh, chance to show that we belong in the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that's what that's he said. Right. Um, 
I'm confident personally. Mark Walsh said he watched Dortmund at the weekend against Freiburg and they couldn't get the job done against 10 men. As long as we're defensively organised, I think it's a game we can win, especially given the injuries they've got at the moment. Marco Royce being the main one that's out and Mark Barcher, their centre-back for right, Barcelona, okay. he's out of the game as well. Um, I think it's going to be really, really tight and I could see them scoring, but I think, I think we're just going to edge it 2-1, but it's going to be a real... I think I, I don't think I think whoever you play in the Champions League, we play Apple away. I don't think it's great going to their place for the first game. I think it'd have been lovely if we could have had them at home first. Yeah, but but whatever way you've got to beat them home and away. You and don't get any poor teams in the Champions League. You don't even teams Carabag, who are from Azerbaijan in Chelsea group. We played in the Europa League. They're not a muggy team. No, right? no. they're organised. They've yeah. got players behind the ball. You were saying earlier about a lot of players behind the ball. It's not easy. That's just when Lorente could do, come on and yeah. do the job. And then after that, we've got Swansea in the Prem. Um, so that could be Lorente's Premier League debut for us against his old yeah, club. Yeah. Um, so we'll be going into that looking for our first home league win of the season at Wembley. We've not lost to Swansea since they've gained promotion back to the Premier League. So we've got an excellent record against them, home and away. We've got to be pretty confident going into that. They're coming off the back of losing 1-0 to Newcastle. I think, I think it's important if we can get two wins this week especially at Wembley, try and get rid of the negativity surrounding Wembley. Um, I think there's been a lot of rubbish wrote about Wembley. Yeah, I, I think, agree with I think uh, especially with the pitch size, um, I think I'm right in saying it, Wembley's only a metre wider than, than the lane, and I think it's five metres bigger. That isn't a lot more space. You're looking at, you know, six foot behind at each end, and I think that should favour us. I don't think there's any issues with that. It was always going to be hard playing at Wembley. Of course it was. It will be just as hard next season when we go to a new ground. Once And then it'll take a bit of time to bed in and then we'll be fine with there it. There was a fantastic Eric Dyer interview um, before the England game where he said, it doesn't matter where you play, at the end of the day, it's grass and four lines. Absolutely. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. Yeah. Like, if you're a good and, footballer and you're a good team, you can play anywhere. And the pitch at Wembley, going back to that, is the standard Premier League size. We play on that every single week. I think... Everton, Chelsea, and I think there was another another club or another two clubs have got slightly smaller pitches, but it's no different than to what we play on any other week. So it's not as if we're all of a sudden coming to Wembley and the pitch is twice the size, and it's the same for the opposition as it is for us. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think... I think the atmosphere's been OK at Wembley. Yeah, I think I, it's been fine. I, I think there's a lot made about that. Um, we'll get behind the team. Once the team wins a few games, then it will improve and everyone will stop moaning about it. I completely agree with that. I'm confident. I think we'll beat Swansea 2-0. I think that'll be... Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll be Let's a fairly so. routine win yeah. for us. A couple of questions from listeners just to finish. So, Carl said, Poch clearly wants to play free at the back for Sanchez. With a fit Wanyama, would this mean Dyer would be out of your first 11? Dyer wouldn't be out of my first 11. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I know me and Cole are going to disagree with this, but he wouldn't be. I think he'd be one of the first players I've on the team sheet. I just think... So Dyer or Wanyama? Oh, Dyer without a doubt. I'd, I'd always play Dyer first. Interesting. I, I agree with that. Dyer is one of my favourite players there, personally. Uh, David Fornell as well. So would you be in favour of rejecting... A hundred million pound five year sponsorship to keep the name White Hart Lane. No, no, I take the money. You take the money. You're not bothered about it. it it's not White Hart Lane anymore. White Hart Lane's gone. It's the new stadium. So it's whatever it is. If it's the AIA Arena, that's that's what it is. We can also we're going down to the lane. 
it's not White Hart Lane. I think Lane it'll anymore. always be the lane to the fans, won't it? Like, but it's not it's not White Hart Lane anymore. Yeah. I think I think a hundred million pound. I think Levy's looking for at least double that. Yeah, but that's a good question. Though. I like that. Yeah, it's good. No, no, I agree. I but agree. Whatever the name of the new stadium, remember the future's bright. The future's Lily White. Come on, you Spurs. Aussie's knees have gone all trembly and the Tim requires assembly Danny Montower Local boy Ledley King Greavesy scoring everything Glenn Hoddle, Chrissy Waddle Lee Young Pyo Casey Keller USA Woodgate is not fit to play Ramatini Cudicini Freddie Canute Gary Mabbitt in Chilin Sergi Rebra for the win Run for me, Nick on me, 4-3 Stout Terry Heroes in white and blue We've all loved you since 1882 Even when I'm feeling grey Despite the tears and pain I go to White Hart Lane Lineker playing fair Modric here, there, everywhere Pat Jennings, luscious hair Super Vertonghen And Leachenko number 9 Nine from the halfway line Villa's running 81 Under Twin Towers Legend Steve Perryman, MBE Hugo Loris, clean sheet Ball at Stefan Dalmatti I'm playing at White Hart Lane, Nicola Bertie Heroes in white and blue This one's for Billy Nick, his football did the trick He showed the world what Spurs could do The League and Cup we won in 1961 Aaron Lennon's lime green shoes Gareth Bailey used to lose Alan Hart and Wheel knew his passport said Spain Berbatov, turn and stroke Hartsey saving from the spot Beat Chelsea at Wembley, we lifted the League Cup Maradona is a spur We're the football connoisseurs Chaz and Dave's Cockney raised Chirpy the cockerel Mendes shoots from halfway. Carol fumbling the same. Flattenberg doesn't give the goal. Abizela's work of art. Tricky Rafa van der Vaart. He's got no head, but we don't care. Martin, Martin, yo! Lily White's from White Hart Lane. Reto Ziegler sounded just like Ziegler. Getting to the grounds of pain. Getting nasty blisters down the seven sisters Teddy into equalise Ginger Pele in disguise People speak of the technique that Jason Dozel acts Jamie Redknapp on TV We love Alan Mullery Raziak, don't come back Andersimovic Crenshaw substitution Tom Hardliston's distribution Jermaine Defoe, he's Cisco These linguistic skills Scott Parker could not try harder Danny Rose is 30 yarder Darren Bent's headed wide Sandra could have scored that Heroes in blue and white We sold Sakura and we dropped Samora Spurs make my dark days bright But it makes me sad the Steagle was so bad Robbie Keane in the box Edgar Davids Dreadlocks, Palacios Stripey Socks Everson Hattrick Dave Mackay picking fights European Glory Knights Terry Dyson go on my son Tiff Jones on the wing
Dean Richards, John White, legendary Lily White, Al Derry, S for Two Derrys to do. Clive Allen, Paul Allen, Joe Allen, Les Allen, Rory Allen, Russell Allen, Alan Gilsey. Lily White from White on Lane. Kazuyuki Soda, Bentley's free kick over, we treat Judas with disdain. His transfer was a farce, so shove him up your arse. And Liam Walker's page three go. Gus Poirier, free kick come. Gomez made super saves, he can shag my wife. Edrington loved the cookies. Andy Reid loved the cookies. Star Wars music and some Wookiees right before the game. Heroes in blue and white. When I feel depressed, in Cochinola undressed. Point won't give up the fight. Wolf Fox never quits, you can be sure of it. Robinson's long shot, ABB's deep squat. David Howe's on the prowl in the FA Cup. Andy Sinton's England call, Michael Brown starts a brawl. Peter Crouch, eight foot tall, Jurgen Klinsmann's dive. Arsene Wenger's dodgy vision, Howard Webb's bad decision. Raman Vega playing Sagan, Sandro's Kung Fu kick. Eric Torsten looking swell. Espen Barson, Leonard and Smith and Shivers bound to score. Give me more and more and more. Heroes in white and blue. We like to win in style, we've done it for a while. It's better to aim very high. Then our football story will echo with glory. Lily White's from White on May. If the budget allows, the anchor will be ours. Thanks, Dave Henson, 44. If he were here, we'd buy the boy a beer. Heroes in white and blue. This one's for Billy Nick, it's the ball did the trick. He showed the world what's best to do. The League Cup we won in 1961. Heroes in white and blue. We've all loved you since 1882. Tears and pain, I go to White Hot Lane Heroes in white and blue We like to win in style, we've done it for a while It's better to aim playing high Then our football story will echo with glory